God's love and the galaxy. far away in the not too distant future the starship StarQuest j316 is on a mission spreading god's love in the greater omega galaxy paper has been outdated and all written communication is now digital believers in the galaxy rely entirely on their cyber bibles and have forgotten the outdated practice of bible memorization <laughs>
Amen. Isn't that awesome to see our kids singing about Jesus? Let them know how proud you are of them. That is fantastic. Fantastic. Well, good morning and welcome to Northside. It's an exciting day. It's going to be an exciting week. Uh, while, while we're still just thinking about our kids, please pay attention to the bulletin. They're going to be performing twice next weekend, so you can come watch them sing and, and do that two times Saturday night. November 14th at 6 p.m., and then Sunday night, November 15th at 6 p.m. So we want you to come uh, to support them and, and let them know how much you love them and how excited you are to see them singing about Jesus. Well, if this is your first time with us, good morning. We're so thankful that you are here. Uh, we're, we're delighted to have you. Uh, if this is your first time, inside the bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information. Uh, there's a place for you to put that out in the foyer on the way out, we are so thankful that you're with us, and you picked a perfect Sunday to be here, because we're going to eat, amen? Not yet, but we are going to eat here in a little while. So um, one, one important housekeeping item before our praise team comes and we worship together. So praise team, if you guys want to come on, you can. Uh, everybody should have had a menu, an NBC Thanksgiving meal menu on your seat. You need to go ahead and start filling this out. We're going to worship together. After we worship, I'm going to come back up here, and I'm going to give you another minute or two to finish filling it out, and then we're going to collect it. I'll give you a couple more instructions, but for our seniors, if you feel that you are a senior, and not a senior in high school, but a senior, if you will put a star at the top of yours, because when we're dismissed, you will go first through the line, and they will have yours ready for you. So that's the one instruction for you right now. But we're going to worship together, so let me pray, and then we'll worship. Father, what a great day it is to be in your house. Lord, we're excited about our fellowship. We get to eat. Uh, Lord, we get to enjoy, Lord, that fellowship with one another. But before we do that, Father, we want to worship you. We want to praise you. This is our Thanksgiving meal, and we have so much to be thankful for. Thank you for our kids, Lord, who just performed, and how hard they have worked on this, and the adults that have helped them and taught them, and Lord, we just pray that you would keep them healthy this week, Lord, so that they can perform uh, next week without any glitches or hiccups. Lord, we're thankful, Father, for the many blessings you've given us, and we just want to sing praise to you this morning. So, Lord, as we do that, be glorified. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. would you stand? Let's worship together.
seated. You may be seated. Hey, do me, do me a favor this morning. Will you just give God some praise right now? We just give God some praise. I told you last week that no matter what happened this, this past week, God was still going to be on the throne. And man, I'm just so thankful for that. And with that being said, if you'll take out your ballots or your menus, whichever one, uh, take those out. I'm going to give you just about a minute to finish filling those out. Hopefully you've already filled them out. It's pretty self-explanatory. Just a couple notes. Seniors, just a reminder, if you'll put a star on yours, because we're going to let you go through the line first, and then we'll dismiss everybody else alphabetically. Also on the bottom, there is a place. Uh, if you have any allergies, you can make note of that, and we will do our best to try to accommodate that. Uh, please fill this out. If for some reason you forget, you'll still get to eat. You're just going to have to wait till the very end because uh, they're going to have it all boxed up. Did you get that? I was going to get that for you, brother, but you already got it. You're ready to go. Uh, so take a moment, fill that out. When you're done, if you'll just, one person in your little section, hold it up in the air. We got some deacons who are going to come in and collect those. So hold that up. Uh, Miss Emma, you have an announcement you're going to share with us. So if you'll come, I know I like to throw you on the spot. Come on, you can come now while we're collecting these. So Emma's going to talk about Operation Christmas Child. Uh, so if you'll pass out your menus, give those back, but also listen to her at the same time. And when she's done, it's all on you, brother. Okay, so next Sunday is when they are due. Um, if you are a little late, that's okay. Because December 12th is when we're going to be going to the center to um, work on the boxes and everything. And in the bulletin, the QR code has been taken out. But if you still want to, we have a couple slots. Um, so you can tell me and I can try to fill you in. Um, and then also I got these in the mail. Um, it says it's for the kids if they want to fill it out, but it just says, let's be friends. And then it's like the name and just kind of tells about you and you can put it in the box for the other children. And then, um, 
new this year is with they let you um, <laughs> sorry they let you follow your box and so um, you can <laughs> so you can follow your box and so all you're gonna do is just like fill out just how you would normally um, but you can scan the QR code and then you'll type all the instructions are on here but you can follow your box and so it'll notify you and let you know where your box is and everything which I think is really cool but yeah so I think that's everything they're due next week our and the collections 200 is our goal yes okay, okay so do you want to say that okay. all right we have 30 people signed up to go on December 12th from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. up to Lawrenceville to help with the shoebox processing if you're on the list, you received an email. If you didn't receive an email, then I don't know that you're going, and we need to know quickly because we only have a few slots left, and uh, you can't, we can't go beyond our allotted number. So check your email or check with Emma or myself if you think you're signed up because, uh, again, if you didn't get an email from me or from Operation Christmas Child, then we don't know about you. <laughs> Sorry, this is the Lucas <laughs> No, we won't give him the mic. Um, just a reminder, because I sent out the remind, but for those of you in Awana, because it's kind of a lot going on today. And so we, normally we're doing Mission Possible, and we'd be out on the field and be all in camo and paint up our faces. But with so much going on, and the weather was kind of crazy yesterday, we've got a different surprise for you. And so we are doing an indoor, a very large obstacle course, an inflatable. So you will get to do that tonight. So with that said, I don't want your faces all painted because then it would mess that inflatable up and then we'd have to clean it. <laughs> so we don't want to do that. So just you can still wear dark clothes if you want to, but you don't have to paint yourself up. And it will be inside and not outside. Um, and parents will make sure that they're sanitizing their hands before they go on and we're going to clean it between each group. So. you leave here in just a little bit, make sure you go through the double doors there, not out into the fellowship hall. So go through the double doors, and you guys will probably go outside and around uh, because they're getting ready. I think we're ready for you, brother. You ready? I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, so whatever it is, y'all do it, okay? We're singing about the blood. All right. Let's stand again as we sing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this I see. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fire. 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to be honoring our veterans and uh, military personnel right now in, in this song that we're going to be singing. So when it gets to your particular uh, song, I want you to stand if you're a veteran or whatever that branch of the services and just remain standing so we can really give you a hearty thank you at the end of the song. Thank you.
standing turn to first John chapter 5 first John chapter 5 we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 12 we've had a lot of fun this morning in, in worship I know we're all looking forward to uh, to eating some lunch here in just a few minutes uh, but I'm going to ask those of you who are still in here uh, if we can really just give the next 25 to 30 minutes to the Lord uh, and then that food will come, I, I promise. So First uh, John chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God. That he is born concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made himself a liar. Because he has not believed in the testimony that God has born concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. You may be seated. Every time we watch the news... We're hearing about events and circumstances that we have not personally witnessed, right? When we study uh, history, most of those events, uh, you were not there for. You believe them because of eyewitness testimony. 
Right? When we think about Jesus Christ living on this earth, you and I were not there. Some of you maybe weren't too far from there, but none of us were there, right? We didn't live during that time. We didn't see Jesus, talk to Jesus, or hear Jesus, but John did. And what John is saying to us this morning is that we can believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, because there is a chorus of witnesses who all say the same thing about him. And so John has been arguing throughout this letter that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so what he does in these verses is he lets us know there's a threefold witness or a threefold testimony who all agree that Jesus is the Christ, and then he calls us to respond to that. So notice, first of all, this morning, the three witnesses or the triple testimony. A, a key word in our text is this word testimony. It also appears in the word testify. It also appears when it says that he has born. That word born concerning his son is the same word. It comes from the Greek word martis. It means to remember something and then testify concerning it. And it appears nine times in these verses, verses 6 through 12. It's a very important word. They are witnessing, they are testifying to something. And what they are testifying to is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And those three witnesses are the water, the blood, and the Spirit. Now, every commentary I consulted this week all said the same thing. Of all the verses in this short letter of 1 John, these, verses 6 and 7 and 8, are the hardest verses in this letter. So let me, let me, just, refer, let me just say this first. When it's talking about the water and the blood, the Spirit is pretty clear. That's the Spirit of God. But the water and the blood. Here's what I believe. I believe when the early church is reading this letter 2,000 plus years ago, it is crystal clear to them what the water and the blood refer to. I don't believe anybody in hearing this letter read is saying, John, what are you talking about? John knew what he was referring to. They would have known what he was talking about. But here we are 2,000 years later. And we are, 2,000 years later, trying to discern what is he talking about when he says the water and the blood testify. Now, there are three main theories or interpretations or ideas. One thought is that the water and the blood refers to the two sacraments, baptism and communion. A lot of people have held to that belief. I don't think that's what John is specifically referring to here, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. The other interpretation is that some see the water and the blood referring back to John 15, 26, where Jesus is pierced in his side, and out comes what? Water and blood. So they see this referring to that point when Jesus was hanging upon the cross and the, the spear is driven into his side. That's another interpretation that many people hold to. Based upon my study, based upon, I think, the context and what John is trying to argue for in this letter, the third interpretation, the one that I will argue for, is this. That the water and the blood simply refer to the baptism of Jesus and the death of Jesus upon the cross. Why do I believe that? Well... Here's why. What is one of the main false doctrines that John is refuting? 
Well, when John is arguing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, he is arguing against this understanding that some people had in this day that Jesus, this human Jesus that lived, was born a man, was just a man his entire life until his baptism. And at his baptism, when the Spirit descended upon him, Jesus became the Christ. Jesus became the Messiah. He wasn't that up until this point, but at his baptism, Jesus becomes the Christ, and the Messiah stays with Jesus right up until his crucifixion. So born a man, he is a man, the Christ descends upon him at his baptism, stays with him for three years of ministry, right before they kill him, the Christ leaves, so Jesus is born a man, and he dies a man, and he is only the Christ for three years. And so what they are ultimately doing when they hold to that, John says, is they are denying the humanity of Christ. They are denying that Jesus is the Son of God, born the Son of God, lived as the Son of God, and died as the Son of God. And so what does John say? Look what he says in verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only. So Serenthus, these false teachers would have believed that the, the baptism of Jesus was significant because the Christ came upon him. But John says it's not just the water, but it's also the blood. And so you'll see on the screen, I believe the water refers to the baptism of Jesus. What happens at Jesus' baptism? Well, a couple things. Number one, it begins his public ministry. At that moment, he becomes public. He begins to live out his ministry where people know who he is. But something else happens. It also is a divine witness to who he is. Right? The Spirit of God descends upon him. And what does the Father say? This is my beloved Son, my Son in whom I love, or whom I am pleased. Right? So it's signifying at this moment that he is, in fact, the Son of God. So Jesus, who is the Messiah, Jesus, who is the Son of God, did not become the Son of God at his baptism. But through the baptism, it was revealed who he was. He was declared to be the Son. He didn't become the Son. He was declared to be the Son through his baptism. So I believe the baptism here refers to the water. But then he also talks about the blood, right? By water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And I think the blood here simply refers to the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. John is saying that Jesus was the Christ. He was the Son of God during and after the cross. The beginning of Jesus' public ministry was marked by his baptism, the completion of his work, the very reason he came, right, was made known through his death upon the cross, through the shedding of his blood. C.H. Spurgeon says, the blood of Jesus gives us such peace that we can sweetly live and calmly die. I love that, that the blood of Jesus Christ gives us such peace that we can sweetly live and calmly die. So what's John's point? And again, I'm going through this, this quickly, but John's point is simply this. The human Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He experienced both a baptism and a crucifixion, and both the water and the blood testify to us even today that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And then he says there is a third witness, and that is the witness of the Spirit. He says, and the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. 
For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree. Think about the Spirit of God as it relates to Jesus. Right? We see the Spirit of God at the birth of Christ. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. We see the Spirit of God at the baptism of Christ, the Spirit of God descending like a dove. We see the Spirit of God in the life of Christ when it's, Jesus says, was led up by the Spirit. We see Jesus, we see the Spirit of God after the ascension, right? Because Jesus says that when he ascends to the Father, he's going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to testify as to who Jesus is. So throughout the entire life of Jesus, the Spirit of God is testifying to who Jesus is, from his birth, to his sinless life, to his baptism, to his death, to his resurrection, to his ascension. The Spirit is involved in all of that. John makes that argument. Look at this in verse 8. The Spirit and the water and the blood and these three agree. And right before that he says, for there are three that testify. Why might that be significant? Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15. In Jewish life... If you were going to bring a charge against someone else, you had to have at least two or three witnesses. You couldn't just say, hey, Curtis did this to me, and I'm the only one who witnessed it. Nobody else can vouch for it. No, you had to have at least two or three. Now, I believe that's probably in John's mind as he is once again trying to show us that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And he's saying, listen, there's not just one or two, but there are three witnesses, the water, the blood, and the Spirit, and they all agree. They all agree. And look what John says. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. This is verse 9. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. John also says these witnesses are divine witnesses. This is God witnessing to this Jesus, this human Jesus, that he is the Christ, the son of God. And we must believe in him. This is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his son. God has testified in the past, and God is still testifying right at this moment through the Spirit of God that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. John Stott writes, It is God who testified to his son in history, in the water, and the blood, and it is God who testifies to him today through his Spirit in our hearts. Notice one more argument John makes here. Verse 9, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. John's making the argument from lesser to greater. He's saying, listen, we so often receive the testimony of men, and we don't even think twice about it. Right? If Ryan comes home and just tells me, hey, I saw this happen today, I don't, I don't begin to argue with her about whether she saw it or not. I just take her word for it. And so what John is saying is, listen, if we're so quick to receive the testimony of men, we must receive the testimony of God. So hear me, if there's anyone in here who does not believe that Jesus is the Christ, listen, you deny that not because it's false, but because you don't want it to be true. You can say this morning, Jesus is not the Christ, the Son of God, but just because you say that doesn't mean it's false. Church, hear me, you may not want Biden to be our next president, but if, in fact, he becomes our next president, just because you don't want it doesn't mean it's not true. He's going to be the next president if it continues the way it looks like it's going. Listen, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. If you choose to reject that, it's not because it's false. It's because you don't want to believe it. And I'm calling you, as John would call you, to put your faith in Jesus, the Son of 
God. I told you last week, man, I just have one song and I keep singing it over and over and that's Jesus. Once again, you need to look to Jesus. He is the Christ, the Son of God. And so John sets for us who he is and then he calls us to respond. And that's the second thing I want you to notice this morning and that is this, our response to the testimony. Hear me, your response has eternal ramifications. Eternal ramifications. He says in verse 10, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. This has eternal ramifications. Either you receive the testimony this morning and you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you live forever and ever with him, or you reject the testimony, you deny that Jesus is the Christ and you live forever and ever apart from him but this has eternal ramifications our election has temporal ramifications but rejecting Jesus Christ or believing in him has eternal ramifications second thing I want you to notice is this to reject this testimony is to call God a liar John is very clear Verse 10, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar. And that is a dangerous place to be. God has, from Genesis to Revelation, testified to us about who Jesus Christ is. You and I have this huge choir singing that Jesus lived without sin. He died and rose to conquer sin and death. How can you deny that? How can you rebel against This massive chorus pointing us to Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. John says, you receive the testimony of men, but you won't receive my testimony, which is much greater. Understand this morning, you cannot remain neutral. You either believe or you don't. You receive or you reject that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. God and nothing 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 is more important this morning than you receiving Jesus Christ and knowing you have eternal life and look at verse 12 whoever has the son has life to believe this testimony is to have the son I was reading a sermon by John Piper I mean, I just loved the way he described this language. He says, whoever has the Son. He has the Son. John Piper says, to have something means it does its thing for you. So to have something means that whatever you have, it's doing its thing for you. So he says, if you have a dollar, what can a dollar do for you? It can buy you a dollar's worth of stuff. It's, which isn't a whole lot today, right? It can't buy you $10 worth of stuff. You need $10 to do that. If you have a dollar, it can buy you a dollar's worth of stuff. He says, if you have a lawyer, that lawyer will do his thing for you, which is to stand in for you if you ever need a lawyer, someone to argue your case. He says, if you have a cold, or maybe in Georgia right now, if you have allergies, or if you have the coronavirus, right? It's going to do something for you. And what is it going to do? It's going to make your eyes water, your nose run, maybe give you a headache, right? It's doing its thing, all right. It's making you not feel well. And so then he goes on to say, if you have the Son, that means the Son does His thing for you. 
To have Jesus means what he can do, he does for me. So when Jesus says that he will forgive me if I believe in him and I have Jesus, that means Jesus is going to do that very thing for me. He's going to forgive me because I have Jesus. Whatever Jesus promises, if we have Jesus, then he's going to do that promise for me. So when he promises, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that means Jesus is going to do that for me. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. I can hold fast to that promise because I'm holding fast to Jesus. And what does he say? Whoever has the Son has life. And that life is, verse 11 tells us, eternal life. So notice three things about this eternal life. Number one, it is an undeserved gift. It is not a prize. He says in verse 11, and this is the testimony that God, what? Gave us eternal life. We're not worthy of eternal life. We don't earn eternal life. We don't achieve eternal life. Eternal life is not based upon who you voted for or what team you root for or how many times you come to church. Right? You cannot earn this eternal life. It is a gift that he gives out of his grace and his mercy. God has given me eternal life. And for that, I praise him. Notice number two, eternal life is found in Christ. It says, and this life is in his son. In order for God to give us eternal life, he had to give us his son. The kids had John J316 on their shirts this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life, everlasting life, depending on what translation you memorized out of, right? We have this eternal life. It's only through Jesus. And the last part of verse 12 says this. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. The literal translation there is the one not having the Son of God life does not have. So eternal life is found only in Jesus Christ. And then lastly, this gift of life, this eternal life is a present possession. Church, how I pray this truth will take hold of us. Look what he says, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. This life is in his son. Whoever has the son, look at this, has life. It is not whoever has the son will have eternal life, future tense. It is present tense. Whoever has the son has life currently. Danny Aiken says to possess the son is to possess life in all its fullness. Church, right now, you and I are getting a taste of eternal life. What we are doing at this moment, when we gather to worship and to sing praises of God to God, this is what we will do for all eternity. We are experiencing eternal life right now. Eternal life isn't something that we begin when we die. June 18th, 1990, that's when eternal life began for me. That's the moment I took hold of Jesus Christ. I will live forever and ever and ever because of what happened on June 18th, 1990. Yes, I'll die once or Jesus will come for me, but I will then live forever and ever and ever. When God removed my heart of stone and gave me a heart of flesh, right? When he took out my sin and gave me the Holy Spirit, that's the moment I came alive. I've been living ever since then. Listen, you don't have to wait till heaven 
to start enjoying eternal life or abundant life. Jesus taught us to pray what? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. That's our prayer. God, bring it here. Bring it now. We want to experience this abundant eternal life. We want your kingdom to reign in and through us. Are you thankful for your life? Man, can you say, man, my life is good. My life is good. But to be honest with you, I was a little discouraged earlier in the week. Maybe many of you were as well. A lot going on around us and you just kind of get beat up and you get discouraged. And I was driving down the road and for some reason the Spirit of God impressed upon my heart to find a playlist I had on my phone from songs from the 90s. But I began to listen to DC Talk and Jars of Clay, The Flood, and all of these songs that I heard back in the 90s. And immediately, man, the Spirit of God took me back to then. And I just begin to recount how faithful God has been in my life through the 90s, growing up in Central Baptist Church, in my marriage, and how Ryan and I met, and my kids. Man, God is at work. God is moving, and we can know that abundant life now. Man, are you thankful for your life now? Can you say, look, my life would be completely different if Jesus Christ hadn't saved me. And man, if Jesus has saved you, then begin to live in that eternal life. If we are going to share in eternal life, we must be in Jesus. We must be trusting in him, believing on him, believing what the scriptures say about him. Let me share with you what I believe is one of my favorite illustrations. It's a little bit lengthy. we got a few minutes before they'll probably be ready for us. If you were at Bridging the Gap earlier in the year, I shared this story so you have heard it. So you get to hear it a second time. Maybe everybody has heard it. If so, just indulge me and just act like it's the first time you've ever heard it. And if you do not know Jesus Christ, just listen to the story and listen to the point of the story. And then I just want to point you to Jesus and we will pray. Once there was a father and a son that were very close. They enjoyed collecting valuable art pieces to their collection. Priceless works by Picasso and Van Gogh. Uh, Many others adorned the walls of the family estate. The widowed elder man looked on with satisfaction as his only child became an experienced art collector. Winter approached, war engulfed the nation, the young man left to serve his country. A few short weeks after his father received a telegram, his beloved son was missing in action. The art collector anxiously awaited more news, fearing he would never see his son again. Within days, his fears were confirmed. The young man had died while rushing a fellow soldier to a medic. Distraught and lonely, The old man faced the upcoming Christmas holidays with anguish and sadness. On Christmas morning, a knock on the door awakened the depressed old man. As he walked to the door, the masterpieces of art on the walls only reminded him that his son was not coming home. As he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier who had a very large package in his hand. The soldier began to introduce himself to the father. He said, I was a friend of your son. I was the one who he was rescuing when he died. He was rescuing me when he died. May I come in for a few moments? I have something to show you. As the two began to talk, the soldier told of how the man's son had saved many people in the midst of this battle. And uh, in fact, that he was killed while saving others. 
As they begin to talk, uh, the, the young man also began to tell the father that he too loved to collect art, and he was an artist. And he said, I want to give you something. The old man unwrapped the package. The paper gave way to reveal a portrait of the man's son. Though the world would never consider it the work of a genius, the painting featured the young man's face in striking detail. Overcome with emotion, the father thanked the soldier, promising to hang the picture above the fireplace. A few hours later, after the soldier had departed, the old man set about his task. True to, the wor- true to his word, the painting went above the fireplace, pushing aside thousands and thousands of dollars worth of art. The man sat there in his chair, spent all Christmas night gazing at the gift he had been given. During the days and weeks that followed, the man realized how much impact his son really had on others. The following spring, the old man became ill and he passed away. I mean, the art world was in, in, in anticipation. Unmindful of the story of the man's only son, but in his honor, those paintings would be sold at an auction. And according to the will of the old man, all of the artworks would be auctioned on Christmas Day, the day he received his greatest gift. The day soon arrived. Art collectors from all around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's most spectacular paintings. Dreams would be fulfilled this day. Greatness would be achieved as they would say, I now have the greatest art collection. The auction began with a painting that was not on any museum's list. It was the painting of the father's son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid, and the room was silent. Who will open the bidding with $100, he asked. Minutes passed, and no one spoke. From the back of the room, someone shouted, who cares about this painting? Let's move on to the real reason we came. The auctioneer very calmly said, no, we have to sell this one first. Now who will take the son? Finally, a friend of the old man spoke. Will you take $10 for the painting? That's all I have. I knew the boy, so I'd like to have it. The auctioneer said, I have $10. Will anyone go higher? After more silence, the auctioneer said, going once, going twice, gone. The gavel fell. Cheers filled the room and someone exclaimed, now we can get on with it and we can bid on these treasures. The auctioneer looked at the audience and announced that the auction was now over. They were stunned. Disbelief filled the room. Someone spoke up and said, what do you mean it's over? We didn't come here to bid on some old person's son. What about all of these paintings? There are millions of dollars worth of art here. I demand that you explain what's going on. And the auctioneer replied, it's very simple. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. Hear me, hear me. Whoever takes the Son, Jesus Christ, gets it all. You get who He is and what He has done for you and all that He has promised. He becomes yours, your Christ, your Lord, your Savior, the Son of God who saves you from hell so you can spend eternity with the Father in heaven. Do you know this Jesus who can change your life? Because your eternity is at stake. We can feed you the best meal we can possibly feed you today. I mean, if you don't know Jesus, what good is that meal for you? 
Do you know Jesus? Would you close your eyes and bow your head? I'm going to pray for us in just a moment. But before we do that, maybe you're here with us this morning. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe something that was said in the sermon or maybe even that story at the end has just gripped your heart. And you realize, man, I don't, I don't know Jesus. I need Jesus. Will you right now just cry out and say, Lord Jesus, will you save me from my sins? Will you give me this eternal life? I don't want to spend eternity in hell, but rather I want to spend eternity with you, God. And nothing in this world can satisfy I realize that right now for the first time, Jesus, only you can save. Will you just take hold of Jesus? Will you confess your sin? Will you repent of your sin? And will you turn from that sin to take hold of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, Lord and Savior of your life? A church, maybe, maybe Satan's beat you up a little bit this past week. Maybe you found yourself a little discouraged driving down the road for a various, various different reasons. Maybe you found yourself discouraged this morning. Maybe you don't find a whole lot of reasons to be thankful this Thanksgiving season. And let me just once again remind you to look to Jesus. Just once again, behold Jesus, consider Jesus, and begin to walk in that eternal life and that abundant life that he has promised us. Will you, will you do that right now? Father, you've heard our cries from our seats or from our homes. But we know you hear, we know you will answer. So, Father, speak to us, we pray. Speak to us, we pray. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Trip, you're going to come pray. He's got, he's, got, he's got a special little one with him as he comes to pray. While he's coming, man, please Please look in the bulletin, follow these announcements, and before he prays, man, let me just let me do two things. One, I'm so thankful that we just completed a successful upward season, that God showed us his favor. Man, can we praise God for that? No COVID outbreak, so thankful for that, and also just a huge shout out to our commissioner, Chris, man, for the work that he does. Thank God for him. And a special thank you to our many, many volunteers. It is not possible without you. So here's what we're going to do. Tripp is going to, Deacon of the Week, he's going to close us in prayer. When he's done, remain seated. I have some final instructions for you, and then we'll begin to be dismissed to go eat. So nobody leave. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just give thanks to you today for, for all that you've done. We, we put our faith and hope in you and, and our trust in you because you're the only one that matters. We ask for your, your peace and guidance because you brought your son, not by the water alone, but through the water and the blood and everything else, that you have saved us. And through your salvation, we have eternal life. Just watch over and bless us. And then we, we ask that you, you bless this food that we're going to eat. And, and thank you for the ability to, to get back together and worship as, as a family in the body of Christ. In your name, amen.